Hey listener, this podcast is called Trigger Warning Romance for a reason. It is intended for an 18 plus audience due to the adult context and triggers that may be discussed in each episode. Please check the show notes for a full list of triggers and proceed with caution. You have been properly warned. It's time to count off the triggers. Hello, and welcome to Trigger Warning Romance, everybody. I'm Nat, and Tori's not here today because we have an extra special episode for you. The queen of dark romance herself, Miss Zoe Blake, is here, and she brought us Dead Love, a stalker romance by Audrey Brush. Welcome to the podcast, Zoe. Woohoo! I'm very excited to traumatize everybody with this book. <laughs> I'm so so excited to be talking to you. Uh, honestly, I think I think I said this to you before we started recording, but if you were to tell me, little Nat, growing up, reading all these smutty books, that she was going to talk to like her favorite author on a podcast, and that author came on willingly <laughs> to talk to her, <laughs> I would have like my head would have exploded because. Uh. And, and honestly, if nothing else comes of this podcast, I'm fine. I'm happy. I don't need anything else from my life. I am You're happy so as sweet. I love this podcast. I love chatting with you. Jersey Girls for Life. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, this book, guys, holy crapoli. Right? Right? I will never look at cellophane the same. <laughs> You know, the the reason when you approached me and was like, you know, what are you reading kind of like, you know, for the Halloween mood? And I was like, you know, dead love with Audrey Rush. And I was like, you absolutely have to read this book. Um, one of the things I just adore about her writing is it's just gothic poetry. I mean, it really is dark romance at its best because it's the language is so beautiful. Like there'll be a scene where she is describing like the glow of the moonlight and the shifting shadows of the trees and the moist, silky feel of the soil and the lingering scent of flowers on the evening breeze. And you get so lost in the beauty of it. And then all of a sudden you're reminded that she, the scene she is describing is the anti-hero digging a grave <laughs> while he's thinking about stalking and killing the heroine. And I mean, it, it's just gothic at its best, finding the beauty in the macabre. And I think she does that really, really well. It was beautiful. I've meant, I've had a few books uh, from Audrey on my TBR, but I haven't read her yet. Um so I was really excited when you were like, I want to read Dead Love by Audrey Rush because this book and this author has been on my radar, but I'm unreasonably busy. Um, I need to quit my real job is what <laughs> I really need to do. <laughs> Any job that gets in the way of reading. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. needs to go. Um, but yeah, she's and <sighs> she really I mean, and you'll you'll see this when you read more from her. Uh she really leans into the darkness. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. I mean, I don't know 
of a lot of authors that, to put it plainly, would have the balls to say, I'm going to write a book where the antihero is a grave digging mortician. And yeah. I don't know of any author other than Audrey who could pull off a schmexy scene in a grave. I mean, <laughs> like there was, that was one of the hottest scenes in the book. And I'm like, they're in a hole in the ground right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding this hot. And mm -hmm. it, it's just... It's it's very fascinating how she really just she leans into the darkness in in the best possible way. Like she she doesn't shy away from, you know, really going there with her characters, which is what I also like. Yeah, she definitely takes the finger if you um, if you know that reference from <laughs> from Faded Mates. Um, yes. She really like you said like she really goes there. Like you're like, oh, is she going to? They're gonna do it in a grave, like in an actual grave. Right. Yes, they do it in an actual grave. Uh they also do it in a coffin and yes. on the oh, and the, table. And can we talk about the crematorium scene? Oh I mean, it's just like I mean, okay, wait, like I have the book in front of me. And mm -hmm. I mean, let's just okay, can I take a second and just read the author's note? Yeah. Could you please. read this author's note? Okay. This is my favorite part of the book, I think. This book follows the romance of a grave-digging stalker with a broken past and a sheltered heroine. The stalker is obsessed with the heroine and will do anything to have her. As such, and here it is, dear audience, this story contains captivity, smothering parents, other man drama, murder, arson, funeral aspects, death, disease, suicide, manipulation. And the couple also indulges in dark games featuring drugs, mental trickery, mummification, coffins, and knives. And here's my absolute favorite part of the author's note. For a full list of content, please visit the author's website. Like, you could just hear the, the infomercial. But wait, there's more. And yes. I, I was almost terrified to read this book because I thought to myself, what is what else is left that's on the <laughs> website? <laughs> like, yes. I I didn't go. I didn't go to the website because I was like, I I'm afraid to. I I'm just gonna dive into the book. But I mean, <laughs> if that isn't the most epic list of triggers out there, I don't I don't know what is. I also did not go to the website, but that's because <laughs> um Nat has no triggers, so I'm like. Let's do it. Yeah, let's jump Put in. Let's in. do it. I, it's what? almost like I didn't want it to spoil it for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do love, you're probably like me. I look at triggers as like shopping lists, right? So I'm looking at what I want, like, what am I in the mood for? And uh, if I'm in the mood for, I don't know, a little bit of non-con, if that's in the trigger warning, perfect, you know? So that's what I, that's what I use them for. I don't use them for actual triggers. <laughs> No. And you know, I kind of joke around because I, I tell people when they're like, well, what are, you know, what are the triggers in your book? And I just say, let me just cut to the quick. My pen name is a trigger warning. Like that's <laughs> it. That's all the trigger warning you need. If you see Zoe Blake on the book, that's your trigger. Like yeah. that's your, that's your warning not to read this book if you have triggers. And, you know, the whole trigger warning thing is, you know, it's a really interesting debate because, you know, it's, it's very difficult for authors because I think sometimes, you know, authors, the business side, you know, you don't really want to bog the readers down with the business side of things, but the sheer fact of the matter is that Amazon penalizes authors 
if they're too explicit with their trigger warnings in a blurb or in a book. Mm. And I think sometimes, you know, readers get upset if the author isn't, you know, explicit enough, but that's part of the problem is that Amazon will ban your book if you, you know, list those trigger warnings because they kind of take, you know, it out of context in a way, you know what I mean? They just see the buzzword and they don't know the context. It's just enough for them to go, no, and they'll ban the book. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it, you kind of walk a real fine line where it's a, it's a big kind of nudge, nudge, wink, wink, you know, with the blurbs, you know, where you're saying, you know, this is taboo, you know, basically, you know, <laughs> that's your trigger warning. <laughs> like yeah. I said, that's why it's like, I don't, you know, I'm also with a publisher and, you know, they control certain things. So sometimes when a reader's like, well, why didn't you put this? I'm like, well, the publisher, you know, they're running a business and they didn't want my book to get banned. <laughs> Yes, that is very interesting. And I've heard that both of the the arguments, right, like from readers, especially on TikTok, I feel like a lot of people were talking about triggers for uh, and trigger warnings for a little while there on TikTok. And while I understand like they should be there, like you said, I know why authors can't put them. So I feel like there needs to be something maybe kind of what Audrey did here is like, hey, if you want triggers, go to the website. I'm not putting it in the book. I think that's an exceptionally good idea. Um, I'm yeah. actually working on updating my website. I'm going to launch a, a new version of it in January that'll have more of that on there. Um, that's the only reason why I haven't done it on my website yet. But I think that's an exceptionally good compromise. You know, it's it's kind of giving, you know, readers a, a necessary, you know, for their mental health and well-being. Like, here's a necessary list of what you're going to find. But it also preserves, you know, your book, you know, Mm -hmm. this is, this is a livelihood for many of us, you know, and there's, it costs a lot of money to launch a book. And so I think that that's a, an excellent compromise between author and reader. Yeah, that's perfect. I can't wait to check out the new website. I like the trigger warnings because it makes our life on the podcast a little um, easier because we can just copy paste right into show notes (laughs) instead of trying to figure out like, what should we put? Um, and like you, uh, our whole podcast is called Trigger Warning Romance. So don't listen if you are, uh, faint of heart. (laughs) Yeah, if you don't want to talk about a book of, you know, grave digging and stalking and, um, but no, I did think it was a really good Halloween read and the cover is just gorgeous too. I know, right? And the the cover is gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's a it's a beautiful cover. It's, I thought it was a... It's a really great heroine. It was a very, very complex hero. You know, sometimes you don't get that kind of complex hero. And um, I really like the complexity of um, his character, you know, and the the levels of why he was stalking her. Because, I mean, you like, for instance, my book in Jekyll, he's stalking her because he wants to, you know, have sex with her and he's obsessed mm. with her and, you know, that sort of thing. And in Dead Love, it, it goes way deeper than that. You know? Yeah. And in a way, in a weird way, it was like a slow burn book, which is, you know, weird. Like, I wasn't expecting that. Like, you know, at some point, you're, you you know, you really just kind of want them to have sex in the grave. You know, Mm -hmm. you're like, just put her in the coffin and have sex. Chekhov's grave, damn it. I was waiting for it. (laughs) 
know, right? Like, I couldn't believe I was like rooting for them to have sex in a cemetery being like, is this the, you know, is this it? No, don't just kiss her. But man, it really made the kissing scenes powerful. Like I'm with everybody else. Slow burns are torture, Mm -hmm. but I also kind of, you know, as you know, I have the group, I love bodice rippers. I mean, I, you know, like many people got introduced to romance by sneaking, you know, uh, the bodice rippers from the eight, you know, the seventies and eighties. And I still remember where, I mean, those initially, the the very early ones, those were slow burn where, you, you know, you, you had to wait till like 50% in the book before the first kiss came. But mm-hmm. man, when it came, it was just so glorious. It was so glorious. I still remember being like a teenager, you know, sneaking, you know, the flashlight under the covers and it being like two o'clock in the morning and just, and I would always say, I'll, I'll stop reading after the kiss. I'll stop reading after the kiss. I just need to get to the kiss. And so I, it, it kind of brought back some of those memories where, you know, that's the one thing I do love about the slow burn is that the kiss scene is so much more impactful, you know, when they make you wait for it. Yes, I am. Uh, I agree with you. However, as most listeners will know, uh, Nat's not a fan of the slow burn. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love your books so much because it's like page two when they're doing it. I <laughs> yes, <know>. it's so <laughs> funny with sweet cruelty. I always describe it. I'm like, yeah, sweet cruelty. It's like you know, you know, when it's the uh, mistaken identity, and she's like, no, no, I'm just here for the money, and he's like, oh, mm-hmm. you'll get your money, and it's like over the shoulder and up the stairs, <laughs> and I'm like, and that's chapter one. <laughs> yes, that's that one of the, the first te- book. Oh, Sorry, go ahead. That's one of the techniques I like to do because sometimes with the story, like. I, I'm a big fan of the flash forward that ha- mm. you have that in a lot of my books because I just love giving, you know, readers that glimpse of where the story is headed. You know what I mean? Like this, this incredible flash forward. And then, you know, especially if I know that I have to kind of, I need a few chapters to establish the relationship before that. It's almost like my, a, a teaser being like, you know, just bear with me, you know, the, the, the good stuff is coming. Yeah. Um, I love your books for multiple reasons, as we know, <laughs> but the, the fast burn is definitely one of them. And I think, which was it? I don't remember what, which book it was, I think, but Tori and I were talking about it and we were like, yeah, that's almost a slow burn for, for Zoe. Cause they, they only did it like the first time, like 15% into the book. <laughs> oh, that might've been wicked games. Maybe that, that might've been wicked games because he, yeah, the first time they have sex, um, he he waited until he uh, captured her, until he kidnapped her. Yeah. So there was like a, a really intense kissing scene, but then it wasn't until, but then the second he had her in his clutches, like he he didn't even wait. He had mm-hmm. sex with her in the carriage, you know. And so, but I think, yeah, I think that was uh, Wicked Games. Yeah. But that's what I love about your heroes is they're just, they just take what they want. Like, I hate these heroes that are like, oh, but like, I can't have her because I'm I'm too, like, she's too good for me. I'm like, no, man, just do it. (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm a, yes. You know, the no, no, no. Yes. Author. I'm, I'm a big fan of the completely just obsessive over the top, throw you against the wall, you know, uh, take control uh, hero. That is definitely, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of that. And the, like the protective vibes and all that. And, 
even with the um, current duet, Cruel Games and Vicious Games, like he really takes the stalking to another level and is extremely manipulative. But at the same time, it's just like you kind of want to forgive him because it's like, yeah, but he, you know, he's so obsessed about her. Yeah, <laughs> like he's so sexy. It's so uh, yeah. That's I'm I'm a big fan of that that type of hero as well. That's that's why I love. So Jordan. am I. I mean, come <laughs> on. <laughs> are we surprised no we're not surprised um that's why i was actually a little bit um surprised that you recommended this book but i don't think you've read it yet because i was like this was definitely in my opinion a slow burn they didn't have sex and i know the listeners will get mad unless because if i don't point this out 46 percent in was the first time they did it and that's like that's slow I mean, they did stuff before, but like true sex was 46% in. You're right. Yeah. I had only just started reading it. I think I was on like the second chapter, I think when you reached out to me and I was like, dude, you got to read this book. (laughs) (laughs) Cause like I said, I mean, it was just, I think I had even texted you and said, read the author's note. (laughs) Like, and that Mm -hmm. will tell you everything you need to know about this book. So yeah, I was a little surprised too. Um, but, um, I think crawl was like that as well. If, if you read her book crawl, um, that's also like, oh man, that hero that he's actually even more intense than the dead love hero. Like, oh God. Yeah. He's, he's way more intense. Like the dead love hero he is i mean honestly he's borderline cinnamon roll compared to the crawl hero oh i'm not gonna lie like if you read crawl i mean vincent yeah vincent is borderline and audrey's probably gonna kill me for calling vincent cinnamon roll but he really (laughs) is borderline cinnamon roll compared to and i cannot remember the the hero's name in crawl but yeah the heroes the hero crawl is insanely intense and very much so into knife play, if memory if memory serves. Ooh, okay. Although the Vincent, you're right. The cellophane scene. Holy. I was like, I was like, no, no, she's not gonna do. No, he's not gonna. Oh my god! Like I, I yeah. was, yeah, I was literally like, she's not, she's not gonna make the ser- No, I was like, she's not going there, is she? And yeah, she went there because I had forgotten about the mummification warning, mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh well, yeah, she's going there. She's leaning in. All yeah. right, let's do this let's do this i was whoo and then yeah when he went to the face too i was like oh "Oh, that was intense yeah i'm telling you i'll never wrap up leftovers the same again ever (laughs) (laughs) well that's why it's kind of weird because it's slow burn but at the same time like that came before they had you know what i mean like that scene was before they had sex and that was a pretty intense scene you know so uh, yeah no this this book was i mean slow burn in terms of sex but he like did stuff to her well before that yeah um it was just jesus he was a sexy kisser too because you know some heroes you know the kiss is just kind of like you know something they do before they get to the other things and this guy he was all about the kissing so it was Mm -hmm. like he was definitely a sexy kisser hero i think he liked it yeah he made the most of the kissing scenes I know that this book was technically um, like a Hades Persephone retelling in a way, right? Yes. Um, yeah. But did you get Beauty and the Beast vibes? Because I got Beauty and the Beast vibes. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Right? Especially with Andrew. He was totally guest on. Absolutely. I, I, you know, and even, I mean, if you think about it, the whole town is the villagers, mm-hmm. you know, rooting for her to marry, you know, the guest on and, you know, the very isolated, sweet heroine and, you know, he's and 
as well as, you know, Vincent kind of, you know, you imagine him like literally like up on the volcanic mountain overlooking the village, overlooking the town. He wasn't really yeah. in the town. He was like up in the forest, up in the mountains, you know, and it almost seemed like he had a mini kingdom there. The way she was describing like the garden and the cemetery and the mortuary and his house and all. So, yeah, I definitely got Beauty and Beast vibes. Okay. Yeah. And I it love the perfect. Hades Persephone because that's my favorite myth. So I loved um I loved how she had the pomegranates in there, you know what I mean, just to kind of reinforce it, but not mm-hmm. like hit you over the head with it. Yeah. No, it was great. Uh and I also liked that it wasn't uh like a beat for beat retelling and it wasn't like like any sort of paranormal or fantasy. It was just straight contemporary, but very like because he was a a mortician and he owned like a graveyard and like a funeral home he was definitely like that like death and the master under- of the dead yeah, yeah the I'm underworld on, like, underworld and, vibes and you know what i did think it was interesting and i kind of wondered how she was going to pull it off and um it was you know kind of masterful the way you, you kind of had to steer his character in the direction where if you're gonna follow the hades and persephone myth you know, he did let her return to the surface, essentially. He let her return to her parents and then choose to return back to him. So I was kind of wondering how she was going to pull that off with his obsessive personality. And Mm -hmm. I I think she did it really well where he did let her return, you know, and then she made the choice, you know. So I thought that was kind of interesting as well, you know, as far as subtly following the myth. Yeah. Yeah. Justice for Nyla, though, I really was like, I wanted her book. And then I was like, I guess we're not getting her book. (laughs) I know, I know. I almost, I I know. I I was right there with you. I kind of secretly wanted her to be like hidden away and he had Mm -hmm. saved her somehow or anything. So I was, I was really bummed about that because she seemed really cool. So yeah, I was right there with you on that one. Yeah, same. I was definitely like, oh, she's not dead. Because they just kept saying how she was dead, how she was dead. And I was like, oh, she's definitely not dead. nope she's dead she's dead (laughs) it's like they're cremating her and turning her into a tree she's dead yeah and it was nice i was kind of chuckling because uh the dogs were kind of like characters as well and Mm -hmm. um i think i think it's grace i have a a reader fan who she's so funny for some reason she she wants me to put a dog in one of my books and so she'll leave reviews for my books like and she'll leave a four star and say she's taking a star away because it didn't have a dog in it she's (laughs) she's gonna like continue doing that until I put a dog in a book but it's just so funny because this is one of the few times which it is odd considering it was such a dark book and the mortician and all that but I don't know about you but pets and books make me nervous Yes. Like it's I I guess because of what you typically put the heroine through, like I remember bodice rippers where, you know, you'd read that the heroine had like a dog or I remember there was one where she had like a monkey or something. And like no good ever came with her having a pet, like something Mm -hmm. always happened to the pet. And then I'm I'm specifically thinking of um, if you haven't read it, Pam Godwin's masterful Dark Notes. I, won't I ruin have anything. not read it. It is on my TBR. Oh, it's yes. absolutely amazing. I won't ruin anything for you. And I will also give a shout out to my bestie, Alta Hensley. Um, her book, Captive Bride. I remember when I was um, reading that when it was in beta and I didn't even text her. I called her and I just started. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? 
because of something she did to a pet. <laughs> and she's like, yep, you know, like cat's dead. And I was like, I hate oh you goodness. right now. Um, so pets normally make me really nervous in books. And so I, I wasn't nervous for the dogs, which is really kind of weird considering yeah. the dark tones, but normally, and, and it's funny because the one and only time I ever put um, a pet in a book was with the dark obsession trilogy with wicked games. She has, um, she has birds and I just thought it would be like a fun aspect of her character and it was just the funniest thing because then all of a sudden it was like, if I went too many chapters without mentioning that the birds were alive, like readers got upset with me. <laughs> I think like one of the books, like I failed to mention that the birds were alive or something. Or I think at the end of the book of the first book, I failed to mention that the birds were alive and well. And like it was mentioned in reviews, like what happened to the birds? And I'm like, really? Wait, what? what do you mean what happened to the bird they're birds they're in a cage they're he, he's a multi-billionaire yeah he's got staff taking care of the birds now you know <laughs> so i like had to make a deliberate uh effort in the second book to make sure that everybody knew that the birds were alive and well and i was like i'm never putting a pet in a book again <laughs> i feel like birds are actually like the perfect pet to put in a book because you don't need to take care of them that much you right? would think right i wanted to give her a pet and i didn't want to have to worry about the pet especially since i knew she was going to be like kidnapped and all this horrible stuff that usually happens to my heroines so i thought well what would be a pet that nobody would be worried about and yeah. you know a, a goldfish didn't sound fuzzy enough so i gave her birds and I really was a little shocked at how concerned everybody was for her birds. And I was like, oh man, okay. So I think it's funny, like in uh, the second book, Savage Games, I think I make it a, a point to mention that they're in like this big, gorgeous, elaborate cage, like in Richard's office or something. Like they have a pride of mm. place in Richard's office to make sure <laughs> that everybody knew that I had not forgotten about her birds. <laughs> But yeah, I thought the same thing too. I was like, what's the kind of pet that nobody would really be worried about as they continue to read and they wouldn't be distracted? But it is kind of funny what, you know, will distract a reader. Like, I remember I have a book uh, claimed by the Marine and there is a scene where it's supposed to be this humorous scene where after they spend the night together, the hero is this, you know, Marine officer and he wakes up early and he makes this like massive, ridiculous breakfast like, you know, two pounds of bacon, you know what I mean? And pancakes and eggs and all this like ridiculous amount of food. And the heroine is the type that usually like slams a, a cup of coffee and runs out the door to work. So she is just like, I'm not eating any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And they, they wind up having sex again before she leaves. And my editor at the time sent me this note and she goes, yeah, but what about the breakfast? And I'm like, what? And she goes, yeah, but <laughs> what about the breakfast? I was like, what do you mean? What about the breakfast? She goes, but you don't mention if they eat it or not. And he did make a lot of food. Did all that food go to waste? And I was like, are you kidding? He bent her over the kitchen table and you're worried about the bacon going to waste? And so she made me like put a line in there saying something like he wrapped up the food or he sat down and ate <laughs> breakfast after she left. Like, it was just the funniest thing that I was like, really? I don't, I don't think anyone's going to care about the breakfast. 
I was like, okay, I'll 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 mention what he does with the breakfast. <laughs> Don't want to waste yeah. food. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> Um, I don't think I would have even noticed the breakfast. <laughs> no, I don't think most people would have. <laughs> no. If I'm doing my job correctly, the last thing you should be thinking about after one of my sex scenes is the bacon got cold. <laughs> uh, yeah, I told you, I, I think I was reading your arc for one of the dark obsessions books. No, I'm sorry. Ruthless obsession books. And I was like, I just finished the, the sex scenes and I just texted you because I was, was like, uh, Zoe, you're going to you're going to knock me up again. You're going <laughs> to knock me up again. And I don't want any more children. Um, And thankfully, my husband had gotten a vasectomy. But I think it, at that point, he was like either just about to go get it or so I was like just dying <laughs> because I I could not participate because I did not want to get pregnant. Um, but now we're good. Now I can read as many of your books as possible because, uh, Mr. Savage is great and he got snipped. There you go. So. <laughs> um, I was actually going to ask you about your true love. Yeah, <laughs> it, honestly, best Valentine's Day present I've ever gotten in my whole life. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> Highly recommend. <laughs> um, did you, does your editor ever make you take stuff out because it's too spicy or too dark? I'm curious. Yes. Um, but I kind of, I mess with them. Um, okay. And this is going to be really funny because uh, if my publisher or my author friends are le reading this, they're going to be like, oh, I'm going to tell you the publisher. So I have a really, so some of my books are indie and some of them are published and I have a really, really great publisher. Um, I published through Stormy Night Publications and um, we have, I have a really good relationship with them and I really like working with them. But I, you know, I do have to respect that they have certain guidelines and, you know, a lot of that does go back to, you know, Amazon, you know what I mean? They, they've got to kind of walk a line with Amazon. And so, you know, I get that and everything. <laughs> and so it is kind of funny because sometimes I'll get a call from the owner of the publishing company and he'll just be like, like, it's so funny because I'll, I'll answer the phone and it'll just be this sigh and I'll be like, Zoe, you're killing me here. You're killing me. You're killing me. You got to work with me on this scene. And I'll be like, okay. And then I finally had to admit to him. So what I, I, I kind of, I manipulate my poor publisher because sometimes what I'll do in books is I'll deliberately uh, cross the line on several scenes so that they then come to me and say, you have to pull it back. So then I'm in a negotiating position. So I'll be like, all right, well, I'm going to pull back these two scenes, but I want to leave that one alone. And really, <laughs> I had never intended those two scenes to go as far as they did. And I was like, I'm literally just like salting the mine. I'm just like leaving these little Easter eggs mm -mm. for them to find and go, can you please take this off? And I'll go, I suppose I can, but since I'm being so nice, can you leave chapter 12 alone? And they'll be like, okay, yeah, deal. And I'll be like, ha ha ha, that's what I wanted all along. So Ooh. it is really funny where like, I, but I, I do, I go like right up to the line. Like for instance, they don't, I think they don't, they don't allow breath play. So that's why you'll see in a lot of my books published through them where like, there'll be like a belt around her throat, but then you'll see this funny little phrase going tight, but not tight enough to cut off her oxygen. <laughs> that's my publisher. <laughs> 
like nine times that like whenever you see me do anything that comes close to breath play and or anytime he puts her hand around the throat and you see me go you know it you know you clasp her throat but not enough to cut off her oxygen <laughs> that is literally like you might as well just see a little stormy night publications trademark next to that phrase because that's, funny. that's me that's me just tossing that in there so i don't give my publisher apoplexy <laughs> um but and it's funny because he also has this thing about um he doesn't I, I don't think they do like I I know I don't do like knife play in my books. That's just not something I've ever really been interested in doing. But I think they they don't do knife play and they don't like like blood in the scenes mm -hmm. or whatever. But it's funny because I'll have books where like I'll have like blood all over the book, but I'll be like, it's not in the sex scene, so you can't take it out. <laughs> and they'll be like, that's when it but and they like they don't like when the heroes, that's why like with Ruthless Obsession, they don't like when the heroes, it's almost like um the violence is very fade to black. And yeah. so, but I I love like one of my favorite scenes, and I, I think it's in Sweet Savagery. I forget which book it's in, but I absolutely adore the scene where I always love writing the scenes with all the heroes together, like the the bro scenes. Mm -hmm. um, and those are some of my favorite scenes to write. And especially with the Ruthless Obsession, because I just love my boys and I love when they get together and I love when they tease Vasca over his vodka, you know what I mean? And I just I love when they tease one another. And I think one of my favorite scenes is when they're in their warehouse and they're all standing around drinking like McDonald's coffee and bitching <laughs> and there's a crate in between them. And every now and then the crate shifts and moans and they just kick it and tell it to be quiet. And I never tell you who's in the crate or what they're going to do to them or anything <laughs> like that. And that's like me because it, like it, he'd be like, we can't be violent. And I was like, they're mafia arms dealers. They're going to be violent. Yes. So that's my, my concession to my fade to black violence, you know, in the books. Oh, so, I, I love all of them. I think that you need to take those scenes that you took out and make like a <laughs> newsletter with them because we will eat them up. Yeah, one of these days I should just kind of do the like the uh the 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 um what is it the director's cut, the the yeah. author's the author's the version author's of certain scenes to show you what uh, but I, it does, it is kind of funny because if you ever see the edits I get, like it in, in the comments, it'll be like, please take this sentence out <laughs> and, you know, and I'll be like, okay, fine. You know, but yeah, so, but they're, they're actually really, really great to publish with. And they're, they're very, they're very lenient with me and some of my plot lines and all that where, you know, like for instance, with cruel games, I think initially with cruel games, um, Roman was actually going to kill uh, her parents. <laughs> and I had said something like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about this book. And I was like, but I, you know, because of the the setup, you know, the hero's going to have to kill the parents. But then I'm all like trying to be all like business like, but don't worry, it'll be fade to black violence. My publisher <laughs> was like, please, please please do not have him kill the parents in the first chapter of this book. He's <laughs> like, I'm not telling you what to write. I'm just saying that if you haven't solidified that idea. So I was like, all right, we'll put a pin in it. I'll come back to that. So um, I kind of like that. The, the ultimate plot outline was me trying to like twist it a little bit. So we were both happy. 
which actually in the end it turned out even better because it it showed what a master manipulator he was where he actually didn't have to pull the trigger yeah so i actually amazing i actually liked it even better yeah i'm actually i really like roman and aurora i'm i'm really i'm super excited the arc for vicious games actually comes out next week (laughs) so you're getting that excited clear the schedule very excited about that book i really really liked um writing vicious games and uh one of the things that i did was because it's like the fifth book in the series um and it's not really so much a spoiler alert but i will say that like towards the end of the book um i bring both couples together so you get to see like Richard and Lizzie are at home and Aurora and Roman visit them and you get to see the couple interact and the brothers interacting and Lizzie and Aurora are friends. And so, and you get to see like kind of how they've settled into their lifestyle, you know, and they're still kind of playing games with one another, but in, you know, but kind of a a less dark, more fun fashion, if that makes sense. So I'm so, excited. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited. Like, yeah, so some of my favorite chapters of that book are like the last chapters, just kind of showing them all together. Kind of like what I did with Sweet Veracity. Like I loved the last few chapters of that book with the wedding and mm. just bringing everybody together and kind of showing like, you know, a little bit of glimpse of what their future is going to be like, you know, where yeah. they're still all having fun, you know, the, they're still possessive and over the top but they've kind of like settled into a groove in a way not domesticated but you know just kind of a a certain groove where everyone now knows their role in the relationship i love that series that was the first sweet cruelty was the first book i've ever read by you and then i fell into a like zoe blake rabbit hole was like (laughs) okay we will buy all of these books (laughs) um so i mean i think i definitely connected with them on multiple levels the the heroes are as we know, they're jealous, possessive, and obsessive and insane, which is exactly what I like in my heroes. And um, I liked the Russian aspect of it because I connected to that on like a cultural level. And so I was stoked to like have this so many of them. Um, are you going to go back to them ever? You know, I think I will. I, I missed them. I, I hadn't initially planned on it. That's why I kind of made sure I wrapped up, you know, book five in kind mm-hmm. of a real satisfactory way. But um, I miss them. I miss the boys. So I, I, I would be really surprised if I don't return to them. But I do have, um, and nobody knows this yet. So this is exclusive for your <gasps> podcast. Um, I am announcing in January that I'm actually... I have been planning this massive, epic 10 to 15 book family saga series for like three years now. And I'm getting ready to launch it in January. And it's this massive family and it takes place in Italy and it there's like this twisted family tree and there's brothers and a sister and they're actually um in the diamond industry and so it's it's very very lush it's very over the top you know what I mean and it's I'm very very excited so I've been like researching and planning and uh the covers I actually did what's called a unicorn um photo shoot with the fabulous Regina Wamba, who's an amazing photographer, mm-hmm. where um 
the models were and the wardrobe and the setting were all specifically like hired, rented, et cetera, just for my covers. <gasps> so it was, we actually, you know, selected the models and she even traveled to locations to, to get these particular photos, you know, and like, you know, got them Armani suits and stuff like that to Ooh, wear I'm and excited. all that. And so like these, you know, even the cover models are, you know, even the covers and they're just gorgeous. I mean, the covers are very lush. And so it's, it's all going to be very Italian, very rich, posh, you know, think like dynasty, you know what I mean? Like those family sagas with just like, you know, scandal and sex and money. And, you know, I'm very, very excited. And I've also read like, it's, it's insane. Like I've read every book I could find on the diamond industry. I've read all the books on the fashion industry. Um, I've got a small library of books on Italy, you know, and I've visited Italy. And so I've been doing a ton of research to actually do the series. And that's actually one of the reasons why I'm even relaunching my website is I completely redesigned the website around this saga because I love this saga so much. The, the I'm website. excited. Yeah, wow. so I'm pretty I'm pretty excited. So that actually is uh coming I think uh I think I launched that in January and then that'll be uh they'll start releasing in the summer, but it's planned to be at a minimum 10 books, but uh Ooh. possibly 15 books and I'll even tell you there's there's going to be a priest in there too. <gasps> <laughs> Which I am insanely excited for. Uh, yeah. So we haven't done that photo shoot yet, but I'm very excited. <clears throat> but yes, one of the brothers is a priest. Well, if you need and... a model. <clears throat> <clears throat> oh, yes. Yes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so one of the brothers is actually a priest and he will get his his own, you know. So it's, it's going to be... Um, uh, the whole saga is going to be laid out where like it'll be same characters and it'll be like a trilogy and then you know the same couple duet trilogy duet trilogy duet and so Ooh. so some will get a trilogy and some will get a duet and so but and 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 it's just taking you through the saga of the whole family and a lot of it is actually based on historical um ultra posh families like I've read um a lot about the Cartiers, you know what I mean? And their oh. diamond empire and the, in you know, the scandals of the family and the Gucci family, you know, and the scandals with that family and all. So I'm kind of drawing on some of the scandals of some of the more, you know, uh, well-known families and empires throughout history. So that's cool yes I'm very I'm very excited and then I have a couple other projects I'm actually um working on for next year or so and I think this year um you're actually I'm recovering with Alta Hensley the dark fantasy series so we're gonna release new covers mm. for them that look like very twisted Disney posters which is just really funny like we adore the covers but they kind of look like Disney posters like in a really great way and we were just kind of getting these dark chuckles out of it, knowing what's between the covers. <laughs> so not Disney. <laughs> it's all good. That sounds like uh, real fun. All yeah, of it. Yeah, I can't so, wait. Yeah, lots of lots of fun projects. You know, this was a this was a fun year, but it was this was an interesting year for me as an author because 
I really kind of wanted to not necessarily say goodbye, but kind of, you know, finish up some different series, you know, kind of round them out and not just kind of leave them dangling in a way, you know, give them the send off that they, they deserve, you know, which is why, you know, I returned to the dark obsession trilogy and wrote two more books and, you know, I made, you know, the ruthless obsession was initially going to be three books and I rounded that out to five. So, you know, this year was a lot about just kind of, you know, just giving those characters, you know, a nice ending. So, you know, if it's, if it takes a while for me to get back to them, people still feel kind of satisfied, you know, when they read that. And then of course my fun little side project, Jekyll, which I absolutely, oh, I had so much fun writing that book. So much fun writing that book. I'm actually planning on continuing that series uh, next year. So Sarah, Misha and I, and some other authors might even join in where we just can, it's kind of like a fun Halloween treat project that we all do is that we just kind of release a novella about like a notorious villain, you know, each year in the Stalked by the Monster series. And initially I was planning on moving on to a different villain, but I love Jekyll so, so much um, that I think I'm actually just going to write a second book in that world called Hyde. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And I think Catherine's actually going to uh, escape to Rome and Hyde's going to Hyde's going to go after her. Chase Chasey. Yes. So it's going to be a Chasey. (laughs) So I'm pretty excited about that. So that was actually a really fun project with Misha and Sarah. So I had a lot of fun projects this year. Fun. Would you ever write like an Omegaverse? You know, it is the funniest thing that you should ask that because Addison Kane has been asking me to write a, an Omega verse for years. And oh my God, I, you should I, do it. I think you'd kill just, it. I don't know. I mean, you know what the funniest thing is? I still remember I was still, you know, early friends with Addison. I think we'd been friends for only like a year or two or something. And she had said, you know, would I write an editorial for one of her books? And I had read some of her other stuff, but I had not read, you know, her Omega verse. And I was like, yeah, sure. And this was when a megaverse was like really, really new. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't even really aware. Like I just, you know, to, in my mind, it was like, oh, she writes like dystopian stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, you know, I I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> it's the funniest thing. So imagine knowing nothing about a megaverse and just thinking it's like this dark dystopian novel and you start reading and you like slick and nodding and the <laughs> nests and I'm like what is happening <laughs> like there was this one scene where there was like all this slick and it was like puddles and puddles of slick <laughs> and they're like slipping in it and they're covered in it and I like call her up and I was like oh my god what what is this like yeah. I mean the writing is so amazing and it is so intriguing and it's like it's fascinating to me. Like I, and in fact, I just read Vivian Murdoch had sent me uh, her Omega verse that's about to come out. And I'd read that and I, I like really like reading it. I just don't know if I'd be able to write it. Like, because I'm really funny. Like I'm not very good with like dystopian stuff. I don't know. Like the it whole. doesn't have to be dystopian. I guess so. Cause that's like this beauty of a megaverse, my friend. Exactly. Like that's that it's always been, there's just certain things where like, for instance, you'd be probably shocked to see. So like I get approached all the time to like write in a BDSM world, like the sex club BDSM world. And I always turn it down. <laughs> 
And everyone's, they're always like, why? And I was like, cause I would be terrible at it. <laughs> I would be absolutely terrible at writing BDSM. And I know a lot of people are listening going, wait, don't you? right bdsm and i technically don't because in my books there are no safe words <laughs> and, and i honestly find i i wouldn't even find that say like i don't even know how to conceive of a hero who in the middle of a scene would stop and say wait what's your safe word <laughs> and let's sign this contract like i just that's just not how my heroes operate that's not you know that's not what rings my bell you know what i mean so i just i always turn it down because i'm always like yeah it's it's great it's a great trope you know everyone's really great at it but i was just like i just don't think i'd be very good at writing it and so there's just there's just certain things, although I am surprised, like, for instance, I have my new horror, my erotic horror book out, The Decadent and the Damned. And, you know, that's kind of an interesting book because I had never written horror before. And Jennifer Benny and Addison Kane had approached me. This was years ago. And they had been putting together this anthology. And I guess an, an author had fallen through. And they were like, we, we need we need you. We need an author. We need somebody that can write really fast. And I mm -hmm. was like, I just finished a book and I was like, I, you know, I don't really have time. I was like, how many words do you need? And they're like, we would take anything from you. We would take 5,000 words. We just, we need something from you. And I was like, I've never written horror before. And they're like, we think you'd be great at it. And I, what's really funny is I'm an absolute baby. I've never even seen a horror film. Like I like thrillers and suspense. Like one of my favorite thrillers is The Others with Nicole Kidman. But like, I've never seen like, I, I don't even know, like the, the Chucky movies, the Friday the 13th. I've never seen any of those. Like, I don't like the slash and gore movies. So I'm just like, I'm not a horror person. And they were like, please. And I was like, okay. And I remember going to my stepson who was in grade school at the time and my husband and I was like, cause they do like horror. And I was like, give me some horror. And they just start, you know, you know, the lone cabin, you know, the cabin in the woods, blah, blah. And they're just saying all these tropes. And my stepson is the one that says creepy dolls. And I stop and I go, that's the one. And that is broken doll. That was the first horror I've ever. And the original title for the anthology was my name is Jane. Because she repeats over and over again, my name is Jane, to try to remember who she is and not get lost in her new reality. And so it is really funny when people see when they read the horror books, you know, The Decadent and the Damned, to know that I initially did not consider myself a horror author and didn't think I could write it. Yeah. And apparently I'm really good at it. <laughs> you are. You're quite good at it. So maybe you would be good at an Omegaverse. I know. Maybe one day. I know that, yeah, like I said, Addison Kane would be thrilled because I know she's asked she's asked mm. me before and I'm just like, I just don't. But I do. I It does fascinate me like authors that write, you know, in the dark fantasy, in the dystopian because they, you know, like Sue Linden is like that. And it's like the the alien porn and all that like the, they conceive of these whole worlds you yeah know what i mean where like you know the sky is purple and everything's upside <laughs> down and like it fascinates me because that's just not how my imagination goes you know so it fascinates me when yeah. authors can conceive of a completely different world and they keep and it's so vivid in their imagination the details are so vivid in their imagination and that's yeah. just i'm i'm much more 
mischievous suspense manipulative thriller kind of that's how my imagination goes <laughs> like how can I screw with my readers minds <laughs> like you know yeah. that's how I start with the book like you know what kind of completely fucked up twist could I put in this book that's gonna mess <laughs> with their minds and make them want to reread to the beginning to see what they missed <laughs> now that you know if they could see that coming yeah well we'll see I mean I love Addison Kane that I also just I didn't know Omegaverse was a thing and I was looking for I think it's just some non-con some just some good non-con to read yeah mm-hmm. and good Goodreads told me that I should read uh, Born to be Bound yep and I I was hooked immediately so I love her um and we are thinking of doing a trigger warning book box so and doing a dark Omegaverse book box so oh, cool. I'm like, hmm, we'll see. We'll see what we can uh, cook up around here. So we'll see. I don't know. Just because. Yeah, that would be fun. But yeah. Um. Well, think about it. And if you want to do a, a trigger warning, like novella. <laughs> yeah, let me know. Especially if it's. Yeah, I like the. I, yeah, I like we call, we call them palate cleansers when we do the novellas. Yeah. Um, that's what Alta Hensley and I call them where sometimes that's it's just funny. like nice to. Because, you know, like with Jekyll, it's like, I, you know, once I got into the story, I kind of wished it had been longer. But in a way, it was just kind of nice because, it, you know, as an author, it kind of takes the pressure off of you. You know, what I mean, it is it is it can be difficult, you know, sitting in front of a, a blank screen, you know, every single day and having to create, you know, put words on the page, you know, and know that you have a deadline and that you have a, a word goal and you know, 60,000, 65, 75,000 words. That's a lot of words. So, yeah. you know, when someone approaches you and says, you know, can you write a 10,000 word story? Can you write a 20,000 story? It's like, heck yeah, I can write that in a, <laughs> you know, four days. That'd be awesome. You know? So like Jekyll, I think took me like a week to write. So it was just oh, wow. nice because it's just like one of those things where, you know, you get the satisfaction of starting and ending a project, you know, you know, within a, a shorter period of time so that you can kind of see the end result faster, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm an auto of all of you authors, cause there's no way I'd be able to do it. I don't think, um, I started a, writing a book, uh, on maternity leave because I was going insane being home with my baby. Um, and I had to sit there and pump for 20 minutes at a time every two three hours Mm -hmm. so I was like "Mm, let me try this and (laughs) I I mean I wrote like six chapters but I mean I've it's all garbage it's all complete garbage (laughs) so it's fine it it, it can it can be intimidating It, it definitely can like for instance you know when I first got my start um it was all novellas so it was all like the you know one of the jokes is if like those books are now the Sasha Byrne books. And one of the biggest critiques of them was like some readers would be like, Oh my God, I loved it. But it ended so abruptly. And it was like, (laughs) yes, because early on, like I, I owned a restaurant with my husband at the time. Uh, We were open seven days a week. It was 80, 85 hour weeks. You know what I mean? So I would literally carve out like, you know, 10 to 14 days to write a 30,000 word book. And so like, and that's all I could carve out before the pressures of the restaurant admin and everything would start kind of caving in. So you, you do, it's almost feel like you were like at this typewriter in the middle of the room and the walls were slowly, you know, coming towards you like some very twisted game show. And what's really funny is 
I would get towards the end of that and it would be like, I would get to like 29,998 words and I would type the end and I get to 30,000 and it was done. (laughs) So it was like when I was writing, no matter where I was in the plot, like when I got to within like, you know, 25,000, I'd be like, okay, time to wrap this baby up, (laughs) you know, and they lived happily ever after because I knew I like, once I hit 30,000 words, real life, you know, just caved, just crashed in on me. And so I, you know, those books very much so like, you know, towards the end, you can kind of tell like, you know, so when I went to become a full-time author, I wanted to start doing what they call writing long. And that really took a lot of training. It took a lot of, you know, mentally, it was kind of messing with my head because I would hit 25,000 words in a a book that my goal was to be 65,000 words. And like mentally, I had been trained that 25,000 is where I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And in a 65,000 word book, you're just getting started. Yeah. So it was a little like it kind of messes with your head because you think in 5,000 words, I could be done this book if I was still writing novellas and, you know, trying to push past that, you know. And so it's just just a lot of just kind of training yourself. And now I don't, you know, it was kind of almost a struggle to keep Jekyll to the novella, you know, because that was the agreed upon format for that series. And so it was almost like I, there was all the stuff I wanted to put in the book and I was like, Oh no, I can't. Cause <laughs> I'll run over my word goal. Like it's always <laughs> supposed to be a 20,000, 25,000 word book. Um, and you want, you know, the series to be cohesive. So if the mm-hmm. other authors are writing 25,000, you don't want to be like, here's my 65,000 word book. Cause that's an <laughs> asshole move. Yeah. So it is, it is just, it, and it is hard. I mean, it's, I've been at this for a couple of years now and it's still hard. It's still, you know, there's nothing harder than that first chapter too, you know, when you just have to write chapter one and you're staring at a blank page, you know, and some days you get 200 words and some days you get 5,000 words, you know, and, but, you know, it is, it is interesting. It's, it's a fantastic, fabulous, very unique career to have. <laughs> and I love every minute of it. Easy, my friend. Oh, so I love um, every minute of it. I love the readers. I love the author friends. Um, I love everything about it. I'm gonna leave the author stuff to you. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm gotten myself uh, deep in this podcast world, which I, have, I had no idea that I would ever actually do. Um, I've also gotten myself into the audiobook world. Nice. I've got I've got enough. <laughs> <laughs> I also have like a real job, and like my kids sometimes need me, and the husband sometimes needs me. They're so. still at that age where they expect to be fed. Ugh, yes. <laughs> damn baby daily too right daily it's like hourly honestly it's like three (laughs) meals a day plus snacks it's crazy see Um, i'm a i'm a stepmom so it was great because whenever my stepson would come i'm hungry i'd be like your arms broken (laughs) (laughs) he would look at me and i'd be like just kidding i'll make you something (laughs) yeah no i I mean my mom calls me a stepmom to my own children so it's i get you um (laughs) It's all good. I'm just like, she's four. She can go get herself a snack. Like, exactly. To... Four? That's She can learn how to make cereal, right? Yeah. She can, like, <laughs> put some milk in a smaller container. She's good. Yeah. I mean, we have a wine fridge that's full of juice boxes. Like, she, it's low. She can open it. She, It's there fine. You there you like, go. I, I a bowl sacrifice. of gold. That and a bowl of goldfish. What else that's could a kid need. want? That's all you need. <laughs> You're fine. She doesn't need it anyway. She's like, ugh, whatever. I mean, we're not getting into that. Of course, 
welcome to Trigger Warning Romance, where we have gone on a podcast tangent um, <laughs> away from the book that we were supposed to be talking about. But this was really interesting. So I'm I'm not mad at it. And I'm sure the listeners loved it. Um, yes, and definitely if you're in a, a Halloween dark stalker romance mood, um, highly recommend Dead Love. Dead Love is, a, yeah, she did a great job with it. She I really mean, did. She really did. And crawl. Move on to crawl. Cause I have, I'm gonna I downloaded it already. Like it's it's on my Kindle. Up. It's on my buckle Kindle. Up. I'm I'm going right in. You know it's dark when I'm telling you to buckle up. Holy crap. <laughs> when Guys, I'm telling you, holy shit. Man, I'm gonna put that in show notes. Just <laughs> put that in there. Oh, I already did. I'm so good. I already put that in show notes. Um no, it's crazy. I mean, the book was definitely dark um and thank you so much by the way for just coming on last minute because our last recording the recording we were supposed to put out for halloween um was her soul to take um by oh my god why can't i remember but it was whatever it was her soul to take mm-hmm. and the it was a demon romance so we thought it would be perfect uh but it was not dark whatsoever <laughs> so- oh you're kidding Oh my God, I know the book you're referring to. I haven't yeah. read it yet, but I, I thought it that was, was dark great. too. Um, it was, don't get don't get me wrong. The book was really hot. That book had one of my favorite sex scenes in it. Nice. No, ever. Um, where he pierces her nipples while she is um using a vibrator, like he's using a vibrator on her, and it's it's fun. Oh, nice. Um, it was a great book, and we both, Tori and I loved the book. But the the hero was just a giant cinnamon roll. Like there was wow. I <laughs> no, I didn't I didn't realize that about that book. No. Um, okay. And Good again, you know. it was a great book, and it's uh, her soul to take by Harley Larue. But it did not go with our trigger warning vibe because there were uh, no trigger warnings. <laughs> <laughs> Touch and love how you're like, hey, do you want to read her soul to take? And I was like, yeah, that sounds like lots of fun. Instead, can we read about this grave digger? <laughs> Uh, sex in a grave because it's way more halloweeny (laughs) no it was perfect for halloween i mean grave digger dead people can we talk about that sex i'm sorry we have to talk about the the (laughs) sex scene where he gave her drugs okay oh yeah put her in an ice bath yes and And then then, warmed her up with the crematorium yes yes oh god it was hot I know. Um, once again, we're, I'm going to have to point out because we are the lube police. There was anal and there was no lube. You know, I'm not going to falter on that because very, very often in my books, <laughs> you don't get that either. And, you know, I, I would like to address the uh, the the lube, uh, lube gate, <laughs> lube gate. Because I think I've, I'm starting to see lube gates start to brew on TikTok. <laughs> and um, speaking as for my fellow uh, Dubcon, non-con, dark romance authors who set up fairly unique sexual situations <laughs> um, that are usually involving some form of punishment, a.k.a. Yes. the Dubcon, non-con, um, it's not so much that the, you know, oh, no, there's no lube, so it's more painful. <laughs> it's not so much that as it just kind of breaks the rhythm of the scene. You know what I mean? You've got this really intense stalker, obsessive hero who was all like, 
I'm going to teach you the pleasure that can be had through pain, but wait, mm-hmm. let me go get the KY from the nightstand. <laughs> you know, it just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so that's why, like, I think very rarely will you even have me refer to it. And in fact, I often do very creative alternatives that are you do entirely unhygienic, but it is purely because I'm trying to get around the, oh, wait, let me go to the nightstand and grab the KY because yes. I just feel like it just... It just doesn't fit with the hero's vibe. So it's not necessarily. And so it really does go back to, you know, authors always have to warn readers that I am not writing a tutorial. I am writing fiction. (laughs) Do not turn to my books as how to have anal sex because you will be doing it way, way wrong um, in all the right ways, though. But so... that's what's so funny because I, I did see like people start talking about, you know, the yeah. lube and I immediately started laughing because in my book, Papa's Prey, he has anal sex with her after pouring <laughs> heavy cream in her butt. And that's what he uses <laughs> as the lube, which I'm not even sure is technically like, I, I, I mean, it's literally possible, but I'm not sure if it's an <laughs> ideal situation, but it fit really well into the kitty cat scene of that book. I don't know if you've read Papa's Prey, but it's a I wild have not ride. Actually, have oh, I? You haven't read I may Papa's have. Prey? I may have. I think I've, I've honestly, I think at this point in my life, I have read everything that you've written. Um, that's the that's the only age play that's still like in, under the Zoe Blake name. The rest okay. moved to Sasha Byrne, but Papa's Prey is extremely gothic. Okay. Um, he's the great great grandfather of Richard, essentially. Oh, and okay. So, okay. Um, it takes place on a castle on the cliffs. You know, she's raised in a convent. He shows up in the middle of the night to claim her. He has sex with her on the altar. Like it's very, Ooh. very, very, very gothic, and um, it's very it's it's one of my you know age plays and uh there's this scene where he dresses her up like as a a little a a kitty cat and you know cats like cream Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's the wrong hole (laughs) Um, so yes so he pours cream uh he makes her bend over and pours cream in her butt because again (laughs) i was like oh i want to have an anal sex scene in this scene and you know, it's the Victorian era and he's in the bedroom and, you know, there's no KY available, but there is <laughs> a saucer of milk. So why not? So, yeah. So as far as lube gate for dark romance, sometimes it's just, you know, a little too much uh, reality, logistical reality. Like I also like I've noticed, like, I think in this recent book, Roman is one of my first heroes that like completely undresses. Like one of yeah. the things you will very subtly notice in my books is how often the heroes have sex with the heroine still fully clothed. Yes. I have and, definitely noticed that. Yes. Because I'm and into it. <laughs> here is why. It's because when I start writing the sex scene, um, in my head, I love, first of all, I love, love, love the you always have him taking off his belt i love Mm -hmm. that i always will have a phrase where she can hear him lowering his zipper i don't know what it is sexy as hell for me love 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 putting those you pretty much every zoe blake book you'll hear like there'll be a scene where she hears him lowering his zipper and taking off his belt um that's as far as it'll go sometimes (laughs) mainly because and this is you know doubling back to the cold bacon breakfast story is that in my head all i want him to do is like toss off his jeans Mm -hmm. but i'm worried the readers are gonna go what about his shoes and socks (laughs) 
And like, I really just want the readers to just, you know, throw me a mulligan on that one and just be like, okay, we get it. Like, obviously he took off his shoes and socks, but like in my mind, I'm like, yeah, but what if they don't like, what if I'm ruining the logistics of the scene? And I get so wrapped up in that. I'm like, fuck it. He doesn't take his jeans off. He just, you know, he just pulls it out and goes to town. So like nine times out of 10, that's why my heroes are clothed is because I'm having a hard time keeping the momentum of the sex scene while dealing with the hero's boxer shorts and socks. <laughs> is, I love is the, that. Is the nitty gritty behind the scenes as to why Zoe Blake heroes always fuck with their jeans on. <laughs> I love that. I yeah. also love the like fully naked lady and dressed man aspect of it. Like, it's just fun and it's like a sexy visual so i'm into it um also like i think so too and I, I i really do play it up too yeah no it's great i'm i'm for it and i love the the belts are definitely um something that i have noticed and um tori and i talked about it because we did the whole ruthless obsession series mm-hmm. and we were like these men in their belts like we <laughs> were like we're counting on this belt at some point during this book it's this always coming off <laughs> always in fact somebody had recently done a tiktok for that uh it was really funny where it was like reading a zoe blake book and then he takes off his belt and then people were commenting going every yeah. zoe blake book and i was like hell yeah yep well, i you know i like playing it up like like as far as them being fully clothed in the the naked point that you'd made I really, I find that very sexy too. And I, mm-hmm. I actually really do love the sensuality and the um, the play on the senses. Like you'll hear me talk about the feel of the rough denim against her mm-hmm. inner thigh and like, you know, the teeth of the metal zipper and like, I, like it's not, so I definitely make sure that I don't even let you forget that he's wearing clothes because the clothes become part of the sensual experience of it. Like she can feel the clothes and in a way that kind of plays into it. Yeah. Um, But as far as the belt, you know, it's really, it's, it's kind of funny because I got my start as, you know, the spanking author with an erotica publisher and they were very much so like the over the knee as they call it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've just, I don't know. I've just never been really good at writing those type of scenes. You know, I just, again, those scenes are kind of feel very structured to me, very BDSM, you know, and you know, the bare hand and over the knee and all that. And you'll, you'll occasionally get those in my books, you know, yeah. when they're right, but nine times out of 10, he's bending her over something and he's using a belt because yeah. to me, it's just, it's more raw. It's more primal um i love the you know the i can include elements like the snap of the leather the feel of the edge of the desk against her abdomen you know i just feel like there's more visceral things that i can include you know like the feel of the the smooth cold wood under her fingertips as she's gripping the desk you know it's it's just more visceral for me and it's more spur of the moment as opposed to you know sitting him sitting on the chair, patting his lap and saying, come here, you know, bend over my lap. You know what I mean? I, I prefer him to like, you know, toss her over a surface and take control. Yeah. So I'm hence, that's it. why you always get, that's why you almost always get the belt. So <laughs> I have no complaints from me. Okay. Yes. There's, there's always, <laughs> you know, it's so funny because the more you write, there's just certain elements. I try to make everything unique to the character. Like, with Ruthless Obsession, I tried very, very hard to not, uh, no pun intended, for them not all to be hard for the same reason. Like, <laughs> I tried very hard to make sure that the heroes each had kind of a different kink in the bedroom. Mm. You know, not so much like 
play by numbers like, oh, this guy does this and this guy does that. But, you know, I just kind of made sure that they didn't have the same vibe in the bedroom. Yeah. That they all had kind of a different, you know, way about, you know, way about handling things. And so, but that being said, there are certain things like, for instance, I don't think there's a single one of my books where the hero doesn't say at one point, open your mouth. Yeah. Because Love man, it. that line gets me. That's right up there with mine, which you mm. also get. Like yes. there isn't a single book that you will not have the hero say you're mine at some point. Like I, that does it, that did it, does it for me as a reader. It does it for me as an author. But yeah, that, oh my God, when he growls, open your mouth. It's just so raw and visceral and mm. you just, oh, it just, it hits the right way. So, yeah. I mean, I love it. So even if it's redundant, I'm still like, yeah, you're still getting in my books because I just love, love, love that moment. That's one of my favorite moments. Um, and then the belt, like there's just certain elements you're going to get in a Zoe Blake book. And those are yeah. definitely three of them. I'm, I'm for it. Um, <laughs> I'm for all of it. I have made a mental note to, I don't know if you've seen my TikToks with my husband of where I ask him to say oh, dirty things. Oh, I love so. those. Oh, do an open your mouth. Oh, open you're your gonna, mouth is like you're gonna, gonna blush. You're not gonna be able to not oh my blush. God. He is, this poor man. I mean, I love him to death. He's going to divorce me at one point. <laughs> With the amount of crazy shit I have asked him to do for TikTok. Um, it's fine. We are it's fun. Those are fun though. Those are yeah, fun. We we have fun with them. I, I've I mean, been I've been enjoying those. He's not complaining, okay? Because I mean, yeah. I mean, he's loving all the attention he's getting. Um he recently re- ripped an apple apart <laughs> on no. my TikTok. Awesome. Oh, and, I think I I might have seen that one. I think I might have seen the original one, or maybe I saw the do it. It was right before we started the Zoom. So yeah. I was on TikTok and I saw a man's hands ripping an apple apart and someone said, well, that might have been your TikTok. Probably it, mine. I think it was your, it might have been yours because I didn't get a chance to register like to see whose TikTok it was before I was like, oh, wait, I have to put the phone no, down. That's fine. No worries. <laughs> no worries. Um, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But yeah man's no, sexy and, hands ripping an apple apart. I mean, uh, that man has great hands. So no complaints here. Chef Hubby does um, too. He's got like the yeah. scars, but in a good way, you know, yeah. just like, yeah, he's very, very sexy. It's one of the first things i noticed about him when we met was his sexy hands oh same um, my husband too um he my but my husband um is in the automotive like tech industry so he mm-hmm. works with his hands a lot so his hands were like super calloused and like i was like mm. i know right and like <laughs> chef hubby like when i first and i was like damn he got sexy hands and he's like he was like really shocked i said that because he's yeah. just like they're they're scarred and they're calloused because i mean he's got like burns and stuff because i mean kitchen can actually you know a professional kitchen can be a very dangerous place you know and so uh he's got like burn scars on his arm on his forearms and stuff like that and i was like yeah baby Mm -hmm. yeah give it to me yeah i was like mama likes so he yeah i that was definitely one of the first things i noticed was his sexy hands and so i'll you'll see that too in books too where i'll mention his hands like i'll Mm -hmm. mention that is definitely something the heroine notices is his sexy hands and if they're bigger and scarred and that sort of thing it's the only downside sometimes of writing like these uber rich gentlemen you know heroes is i have to kind of invent reasons why they have calloused (laughs) scarred hands um i love the tattoos hands too like that's the one thing my my husband just needs a little like he's tattooed but he just needs more like and i've been i've been like hey like let's go get and he's 
I love him because he's just so like level headed and he's like he's like, babe, tattoos are expensive. We have two children. <laughs> we it's so funny because um Chef Hubby has one tattoo and he he wants to get like the arm sleeve, but again, it mm-hmm. was just, you know, hospitality industry, you work all the time, you don't have time to like go and get a tattoo. Yeah. And I I want to get more tattoos, but I'm not allowed because I currently have more ink than he does. And he's like, <laughs> uh no. He's like, I can't have you have more ink than I do. He's like, he's got a point. To wait until <laughs> I catch up. And so I'm like, okay. <laughs> Yeah. No, mine my husband has a decent amount. Um, but you know, he stopped getting them like right about the time we met because they're expensive and you know, we were uh if you get good quality tattoos, they're they're expensive as they yeah. should be. Um, and we were saving for a house and a wedding and all this other stuff, and he was like, mm, what do you want me to do? Yeah, right. <laughs> want- Blow a thousand dollars on, you know, yeah. bird. <laughs> exactly. Um but no, I understand back to um uh, Lubegate. I, I get it. I think that I may have started Lubegate uh, accidentally. So it's fine. I am going to freaking love it if all of a sudden I start seeing people on TikTok use the phrase hashtag Lubegate and talking about that's going to yeah. be funny as hell. But like it, it is, it's just one of those things that, you know, like I love TikTok. I think it's one of my favorite. There's like two social media that I really enjoy and one is my Facebook group because I just like the intimacy of it. You know, I mm-hmm. kind of feel like you're not, you know, that I really I feel like I'm chatting with friends in there. Like I really do enjoy going into my reader group, you know, uh, and TikTok. I actually really I, I I'm actually right there with everybody else. Like I, yeah. I'll lo- I go straight down the rabbit hole. I really enjoy TikTok. I find it very creative and I, I just Americans and just people in general, they're funny. They're entertaining. I loved how during the pandemic, we you learned how the average person is just funny. You know, yeah. they're, they're witty. They're entertaining. I mean, of course it has its downsides and it's idiots and all that, but I, I prefer the good of it. You know, I mean, I like how creative people are and I like how people are just out there to entertain others, just, just to entertain others and get someone yeah. to smile and, there's so many things I, I I love about TikTok, um, but it is interesting, kind of getting more like the reader perspective and on, and you know, as authors, you know, with like the Lubegate thing, there's always just this line between, yeah. you know, it's fiction. So how much reality do you put in? You know, if it's, you know, because I think once a reader had approached me about my Victorian books and saying that. I got most of the dress correct, but I was missing some layers of the clothing or something. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm fully aware that they're there. The thing is that in the middle of a sex scene, um, it would have taken him 20 minutes to undress her. So obviously (laughs) I'm going to skip some scenes for the sake of the plot, you know? And so it's because she was just like, you always just have like the corset and the bloomers and, you know, there's this and that and that. And I was like, yeah, I I know I'm fully aware that's all there, but you know, it's, it's not a how to dress undress a Victorian woman. It's, you know, an age play sex book. (laughs) Yes. I'm with you. And uh, the, like I said, when Tori and I just happened to notice on this podcast, we started, we, we call ourselves the lube police because, um, we always know when and where the lube is and what kind it is. And if it's actual mm-hmm. lube, cause a lot of yours are like soap and things like that. Yes. Yes. Um, and 
it's and then uh, we know when it and it's just something that we happen to like jokingly mention and um and then I don't know like it it did take off a little bit <laughs> on TikTok. so you're the reason <laughs> uh, possibly I'm not sure because I never made really a I never made a TikTok video about it. it's just something that we talked about on the podcast um and we are making t-shirts and i mean like i said it is it is a very valid point like i mean if i were writing you know if i were writing a a more standard you know contemporary romance boy meets girl they decide to get a little kinky in the bedroom then he would definitely be reaching for the ky in the (laughs) nightstand but i'm not you know i'm writing boy meets girl kidnaps girl convinces her she's in the victorian era (laughs) the reaching for the ky in the nightstand doesn't really play in those scenarios you know or you know you know russian mafia arms dealer meets librarian you know there's just especially also since you know so many like it is kind of funny if you really look at my books you know maybe I probably only see about 25% of the time are they even having sex in a bed. Yeah. You you know what I mean? They're always because, and part of that is not necessarily, I think a lot of it is just leads back to, you know, what I love in my heroes is they're very raw. They're very primal. They're very, Mm -hmm. you know, caveman, you're mine. um, Take what I want when I want it. And so that leads to them kind of like falling on the heroine, you know, at any particular time. So that does lead to sex, like in the dining room and sex, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the, I want you, let's go find a bed. You know what I mean? It's, I want you, let's go find a wall. I can push you against. As it should be. Right. So (laughs) all I'm saying is, um, if more of my scenes had a nightstand, then maybe you'd get the loo, but a lot of them don't. (laughs) It's fine. We love it. Um, I do, I do do a nod, but yeah, I'm always, yeah, always looking up. Like it's the funniest thing because every single time I try to Google something weird that I'm like, what would the hero have nearby? And Mm -hmm. I'll Google things like soap, anal loop. And like all these articles are come up saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I'll be like, (laughs) I'm sorry. That's all he has at hand. Yes. <laughs> you know I mean? It's like, like nine times out of 10, whatever he used, I guarantee you there's an article on the internet telling you not to use that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I'm fine. like, so you can use it. You're just not supposed to use it. It's yeah. like that. It's like that TikTok. It's like, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I can't hear you. <laughs> Yes. yes. <laughs> like the internet is going, no, no, no. And I'm going, I'm just going to go with yes. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. It's, it's fiction. And that's my whole, that's our yes, whole thing with um, dark romance in general, because a lot of dark romance gets hate, um, as you know, because they're saying that we romanticize rape and sexual yes. assault and all this other stuff. And, and the whole point is it's fiction and we're not going to preach to the choir because we know that our audience totally understands but yeah same thing with lube but i will still keep pointing that out because uh at this point that's just my shtick so (laughs) now the next time i write an anal scene i'm gonna be like what would nat think about this lube (laughs) i actually thought about that because in uh wicked games i think it was Mm -hmm. um they lose you they he um he uses lube and i was like has has zoe been listening to the podcast (laughs) 
It's like there's lube in this. There's lube. <laughs> Finally, she saw the light of day for the yes, dark. Yes, I texted. Holes. I texted Tori. I was like, "So he put lube in the book." <laughs> you know, and it was probably my publisher that made me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna um, lie. It's probably the it's publisher. Fine. I was like, "Can you toss in a little lube there?" Yeah. Yeah, it's just raw dog in it. Like you got to do a little something there. Something. There's no. There's not even soap. <laughs> not even soap. Yes, but yes. In defense of authors that get creative, a lot of times it's just like, I think there was even one. I can't remember which author contacted me, but I, I one author had reached out. You know, just the way we do when we're in the middle of writing, and it is like okay, my hero and heron are in the middle of the woods in a cabin. What could possibly be used for lube? <laughs> and we're all like, so it's like, does it take place in Arizona? Are there aloe plants nearby? <laughs> and I'm not kidding. That was like, you know, presented as a, like, it's just really, because that's just what happens. Is sometimes yeah. you're like, this is when this is going to happen. And you're like, uh-oh, wait a minute. Where are they right now? What's 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 on the end? <laughs> but it is at this point. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's, 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 you got to give us a little bit of latitude. It's fiction. <laughs> no, we, we do. Um, and we love, I, I mean, you know, I love your books. Um, like I said, you're one of my favorite authors and the fact that you are talking to me right now is still blowing my mind. Oh, um, lots of fun. <laughs> thank you. And it's really interesting to talk to an author about these things because as a reader, you don't think about it, right? You're just like, well, why, why isn't this happening? Or why are they not using lube or, um, you know, why are they not in a bed? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where are his socks? Does he wear yes. boxers or briefs? Yes. Where are the leftovers? <laughs> we need to know these things. Exactly. And like I said, so much of it really just comes down to, you know, the rhythm of the scene. It's mm -hmm. that sometimes it's just the way the scene is rolling along. It just would break the rhythm. It, and it's almost introducing in a way I always use the phrase too much reality when you get too nitpicky. And there are some authors that do that. And it's it's a choice. But I, I think sometimes if you just get too nitpicky with the details, um, it breaks the rhythm of the scene. But yeah. also, you know, I'd like to strike a balance where I like to write really vivid scenes with, you know, lots of sensory details and that sort of thing but at the same time I don't get too nitty-gritty into certain details because I do like when the reader kind of fills in the rest with their own imagination you know yeah. there is something to be said where as far as I'm concerned when you're reading a book you are participating in that scene as the reader you know I want you to be in that scene and in order for you to be in that scene I have to leave some elements up to your own imagination as well yeah you know what i mean so i think that sometimes if you get a little too down to every little detail you kind of take that opportunity away from the reader yeah no that's interesting and that's what i loved about this book because like we said it was so descriptive yes um it was beautifully written and you really couldn't self-insert into it i could self-insert into it very easily and just feel everything um i felt that sticky sticky cellophane <laughs> <laughs> right and you know what's fascinating about that is the fact that in a way and i mean this in a a, a good way they weren't 
relatable characters Mm -hmm. to be able to insert yourself in, which Mm -hmm. is what's so fascinating about that. And I don't mean that in the fact that they weren't realistic or this or that. It's just that, um, sorry, that's my text message, but, um, in the fact that it's like, I can't really relate to a grave digging hero or a heroine that's been so sheltered that she's in her twenties and doesn't have a phone or anything. And yet having these polar opposite, very, very unique lifestyle characters, you were still able to insert yourself into their minds and into the scene, which I think takes a great deal of talent because that is one of the biggest things that you know readers need to relate to characters and so when you do take a a challenge and a risk with like i said audrey likes to lean in so she is kind of accepting that challenge saying Mm -hmm. that i'm going to write an anti-hero who's a grave digger and guess what you're gonna love him yeah you know what i mean you're gonna love him you're you're gonna relate to him you're gonna love him you're gonna be rooting for him you know what I mean? He's going to be thinking about killing the heroine and throwing her in the grave he just dug, and you are still going to be with him on that journey. And, you know, that's a challenge and it's a risk, and you really have to lean into it. And I think she she did really well with it because, you know, I was right there. In fact, I was really even fascinated with some of the mortician elements, to be honest. Yeah, you learned was, a lot. About. You really did. You yeah. really did. I was like, she definitely, I was like, like, every now and then I slipped into author mode going, this research must have been fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it, it, it was, it was very interesting and she definitely created a world, even with all the secondary characters, like you definitely, mm-hmm. you know, you definitely kind of got to know. And even in the end, you kind of felt a little sorry for the mom. You know, I'm really was, sorry for the mom. The yeah, mom did didn't. an interesting character arc because she didn't kind of turn out to be what you thought she was. Like it, yeah. it was, she was an interesting character for me because it, it was interesting because I, I kept expecting her to be like this bitter, spiteful, mean control freak. And she would do something that was really controlling and then turn around and say something really sweet, you know, to her. Yeah. And you were like, Oh wait, I wasn't expecting the mom to say that. Like, so it, it made her a very much more complex character than this kind of typical three-dimensional mean mom, you know, yeah. kind of the, in, in a way, the the wicked stepmother, you know, kind of role, you know, in, in a way the mom was very much like that. But, and I think that's where you kind of draw back to the Hades and Persephone myth, where Persephone's mother, uh, was it Demeter, I want to say? The, yeah. The goddess of the seasons, you know, was you know very protective of the daughter but she had her reasons and then it turns out she was right because hades took her yeah um so but i do think that even the mom you know especially towards the end you know you felt a lot of sympathy for the mom definitely because she she didn't think that her husband would ever put her daughter in that much jeopardy right like and the whole reason she was with him almost was to like protect her and for him to turn around and literally give her to a murderer and be like, you have to marry him was mind blowing. Yeah. And it it is interesting how she kind of throws certain stereotypes on their head where you were expecting the sheriff father to be this, you know, protective daddy like figure. And he absolutely Mm -hmm. in a way was very much so like Zeus. He didn't give a shit. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so there were, yeah, I think she really kind of played on that myth, but in a very, you know, not an intrusive way, you know, you really had to like know the myth, you know, to be, to, to see it in the book. 
Um, but I do think it was interesting where she kind of played on certain stereotypes where the mom was not this one-dimensional, mean-spirited woman. She actually had a soft side. She had, mm-hmm. you know, a caring side. She was very broken by what happened to her daughter, and that was kind of unexpected. And then the dad, you know, the the father was not what you were expecting either, you no. know. And then, so it was kind of interesting. And and like I said, it you know it takes balls to write an antihero who's a grave digger. But man, I mean, some of those passages, the way when he was digging the graves, I mean, you could just imagine it, it, the peaceful, you know, at night and the moon and, you know what I mean, the breeze and the scent of the flowers. And I mean, it was all very, very romantic, which, like I said, is just gothic writing at its best, you Mm -hmm. know, to see the beauty and the macabre and the grotesque. I mean, you don't get more gothic than that, which really is, to me, that's what dark romance is. It's, It's gothic romance, you know, that's that's what I love writing. That's why I write, you know, the, the castles and the, you know, the, the cliffs and the storms and, you know, the, the creepy mansions and the, the whole nine. It's that yeah. gothic vibe. For sure. No, it was beautiful. And I love that we, we see his progression slowly. Like he yes. still wants to murder her halfway through the book. Like he's <laughs> <know>. still... Right. <laughs> he's still, yeah. Right. Which it takes that deft touch, you know, mm-hmm. and it was, um, yeah, that that was interesting because, like I said, I was like, okay, you know, at some point in the myth, he has to let her go, and how is he, mm-hmm. how is she gonna do this? And you know, he had to. The only way it was gonna be believable was if she kind of slow walked him there, and that's what she did. Yeah, no, I, I, it was perfectly done. I love this book. I think you guys will love this book. If you haven't read it yet, definitely read it um and enjoy the crazy slow burn that just kicks you in the face once it starts going it's insane (laughs) and happy halloween from zoe blake (laughs) happy halloween thank you so much for coming on the podcast zoe thank you for inviting me i had lots of fun i had the best time is there anything um you'd like to plug any anywhere we where can we find you where can we follow you uh pretty much everywhere uh at zoe blake books is i think instagram and tiktok and all that and then z blake books is uh the website so you know if you just google zoe blake you'll find me (laughs) do you have a palate cleanser for us coming up like another no no like like uh i think you said like mystery show or something Oh, my happy place. Yes. Uh, that's right. You had asked me about that. Yes, I actually I don't I don't actually watch a a ton of TV and I'm actually a bit of a geek. And I think I've I've said this before in interviews like I'm I'm an absolute geek for historical documentaries It and, you know, doesn't matter. Vikings, the Titanic and Berlin, you know, I'm I'm there for it. You know, I'm I actually write I, I think I prescribe to like subscribe to like three different documentary channels. But as far as my like happy place, I actually absolutely adore this Canadian show called Murdoch Mysteries. Like I've seen every episode multiple times. There's actually a streaming channel. Like I literally will get excited. Like tomorrow is Friday and I think they stream like on this particular channel, they stream like Murdoch Mysteries from like nine o'clock in the morning to like midnight friday saturday and sunday and so like if the tv's on in the background anywhere in our house it's murdoch mysteries literally 
every day of the weekend and my husband's even used to it and he likes the show but it's just the funniest <laughs> thing because that's just what's on in our house in the background is murdoch mysteries like all day long friday saturday and sunday like i get sad on monday when i turn on that channel <laughs> and it flips to its like regular programming because i'm like oh murdoch mysteries i've got to wait till friday <laughs> so because i'm a huge sherlock fan so any show that's even remotely sherlock related and it's it's like a sherlock style you know Ooh, show uh about the yeah so any 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 show that kind of plays off of the intuitive you know uber intelligent detective i'm there for and do so, you listen or watch anything while you're writing no i actually listen to i i typically listen to uh classical music when i write i'm a big uh rachmaninoff uh tchaikovsky Ooh. and beethoven fan Fun. So I typically will, um, I have a playlist of classical music that I'll listen to. Occasionally I will flip to, I have a, a playlist on, um, that I call dark romance. That's got like really cool, you know, typical songs, you know, for the dark romance genre. Fun. Although, uh, my stepson makes fun of me because I'm a Pandora girl. I don't like Spotify. I actually <laughs> like Pandora and he's like, seriously. And I was like, shut up. I like Pandora. So uh, but yeah, I find that um, sometimes like I will listen to like it's interesting, like when I'm getting ready to write, I will like in my mind, it's like I'll listen to songs with words, with lyrics. Mm -hmm. But once I start writing, I will listen to either classical music or there's an app called Brain FM that's just kind of like it's not really white noise, but it's something similar. It's meant to help you focus. Mm. Um, mainly because, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of listen to words and then also think and create words for me. Yeah. So as much as I'd love to like listen to music, I, I find myself, you know, the lyrics are in my head instead of my own words or my character's thoughts. And so I find that distracting, but, um, I will listen to like, um, like one of my favorite songs to listen to right before I start writing is Florence and the Machines Howl. Oh. That's that's a really cool song. Um that uh just kind of very you know evocative of dark romance and uh what is it? Uh Paloma Face Only Love Hurts Like This. Um that was sometimes songs have like um like uh, certain books I write will have like almost like a theme song where there's okay. just seems to be this certain song that I will listen to right before I start writing. And when I take a break and afterwards, and sometimes it's interesting because as I'm getting ready to write and I'm like reviewing the chapter I wrote the day before reviewing my outline notes, sometimes I'll listen to that song like four or five, six times in a row. I just put it on repeat and I just keep listening to it. And like for Vicious Games, it was a song by uh, LP and it was called like Lost in Love, I think it was called. Uh, Lost on You by LP. Oh. Oh, wait. It was called Lost in Love by LP and that's definitely okay. the theme song of Vicious Games. And so sometimes I would just listen to that song like over and over and over again because it just kind of spoke to the characters and what was happening to them and you could definitely tell um especially with my contemporary romances when a particular song influences me like that because I find a way to write about it in the book 
So like in oh, vicious God. games, there's a moment where they're traveling in the car and it's kind of a dark moment in the book and that song comes on the radio and she yeah. listens to it. So nine times out of 10, if you hear me mention a song in a book, Ooh. it's because that song influenced the writing of the book. Like that's what I was listening to when I was writing the book. So I found a way to put it in the narrative. That's a cool little Easter egg. <laughs> yes. So you actually get a couple. There's like two songs, I think, specifically that I was listening to. I think it was Only Love Hurts Like This. And there was a couple other songs. So Vicious Games, yeah. there was like two or three songs that I actually mentioned in the book. But that's also plays into Aurora's character, obviously. Yeah. She's, she Music speaks to her. She speaks mm -hmm. through music, you know. So that's in a way, that's one of the ways her and Roman communicate. Yeah, You know, especially in Vicious Games, as they get to know one another more, um, they definitely communicate through music. And so it, you see a lot of that in the book, more yeah. so than in other books. But yeah, occasionally you'll see me, yeah, if you see me mention a song in a book. And sometimes it's just classical music. Like in Vicious yeah. Oath, it was a Rachmaninoff song and, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, I do. I love classical music. So I actually, I listen to quite a bit of classical music when I write. That's another thing we have in common. I love me some classical music. I I'm like you. If um if I'm I'm not I don't write, but like for when I was in college, if I was writing a paper or anything like that, I could never listen to actual music with like words. So I listened to a lot of classical music, and I listened to a lot of like movie scores. Yes, um, yes. And when I'm reading, I can't. I do the same thing. I can't. I can't have like music with. No, I'm the same way. It. I don't. I like. Like go downstairs, um, and put on like whatever Tchaikovsky or um what whatever. Honestly, I just put on like the Sirius XM classical music station. Whatever they're playing is usually what I listen to. And then I put on some candles and grab me like a little wine and I have myself a good time. And then um my husband comes down and ruins it all and puts on his video games <laughs> my headphones on. <laughs> no, but yeah, I'm the same way. Like I don't I don't listen to regular music like I said yeah. music with words um yeah. when I'm reading because it just yeah and I'm you know it's it's great that people can do that and it can set the mood and everything mm -hmm. but for me because I'm also such a huge music fan uh, I just get distracted because I, yeah. I very much so listen to the lyrics of music and the poetry of music so it it distracts me from the the words on the page because I'm listening to the to the same. music same well, my palate cleanser is Lust by Drethia Nice. Um, she just came out. I've, I've read this book before. It's amazing. It's a, I don't know if you, have you read it? No, before? no. Oh my goodness. You'd love it. This is totally up your alley. It is a stepbrother, non-con kind of book. Ooh, um, taboo. Yes, very taboo. And it just came out on Audible. And I'm just listening to the audio version because, uh, as we've said, Mama's busy, so... I when I have time to read a lot of times I do just listen to audiobooks because I can be folding laundry while I'm doing it or driving or something like that um, but the audio is really good but if you have not read this book you guys need to Drethy is one of like my favorite indie non-con authors she goes full in like full in this book has so many triggers it he's a politician and she's his stepsister and he's obsessed with her and it's got a little bit of a um paranormal vibe because this was an anthology done around the seven sins so this one was around lust and how lust 
was influencing him to, you know, do all these horrible things to her. Um, there's somnophilia in it. There's a great scene on a desk I will never forget in like an office. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Ooh, um, check it out. That yeah, like it's, right up my alley. It's great. Uh, I think you'd like it. It's she and Drethi's amazing. Drethi wrote the quarantine series, which is another great series about a stepbrother. <laughs> it's kind of her thing. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Drethi's great. So check her out. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We're no, so excited. Thank you for having me. Thank yes, you. I'm this not... was lots of fun. Yeah. Um, tune in next week when we have another very special guest. Corvin King is coming on the podcast. He's a, a narrator friend of mine. And we read Row by Dylan Page. So Ooh, nice. that was fun. Uh, and you get a little bonus of something something at the end of that episode. So you might want to stay till the very end of that episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this might something to do with an audiobook that's coming out. <laughs> nice. Yes. Um, again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Zoe. I really, really appreciate you being here and answering all of our questions and just being so open and fun. Um, I'm sure we will ask you to come on again if you're interested. So. I will gladly. I had lots of fun. Right. So, so I am going to head out and I've got a nice hot whiskey tea waiting for me. Chef Bobby just walked into the room because he heard what oh, I was wrapping up. So nice. I will leave you now, my darling. Happy Thank Halloween. Thank you. Happy Halloween. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next bye week. Bye-bye. Bye. bye. bye.